This is Jess Waters. Check out The Divinity Streak on Netflix Film Club. This is a dope science show. Hey, you guys. Welcome, welcome. So good to reach out and touch you through your ears and through your eyes. Fast forward, it's 2021, and I haven't spoken to you since 2019. A lot has happened, as we all know, and the good news is that we've survived. We have survived, and I'm so grateful that you guys are here with me right now. And today, your host, myself, Stephanie, I had a great time chatting with my friend Jess Waters. Jess is an amazing black non-binary writer, director, and overall creative who writes stories about reconceptualizing queerness and blackness. We discuss their most recent work, a really cool movie called The Divinity Streak, which is a part of the Netflix and Ghetto Film School Content Creation Program. Yeah, buddy. So you don't want to miss that. The Divinity Streak is a drama about three black activists who hijack a space shuttle. It's a story about identity, resilience, and freedom. You can watch it on the Netflix Film Club channel on YouTube. I have the link in the description and the show notes. And we talk about how Jess's black queer identity is represented in their work and the importance of reimagining history to tell black stories from a black non-binary queer perspective. Jess shares their list of artists who influenced their work. We talk about music and the writing process, and we reminisce about our very first time on set together. I was a production assistant on the film. Yay! And I had an amazing time on set. So thank you guys for listening, and let's get into the show. Yeah! 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 (laughs) Hey guys, welcome, welcome to the Dope Science Show. Isn't it cool? We have video. You guys have like never seen me. No, you've probably seen me, but still. (laughs) Welcome back, you guys. I'm sorry I've been gone forever, but I've been doing like some interesting new things with my life, being artistic and trying to explore my creative endeavors in film and television. And I had this really cool opportunity to be a production assistant on a couple of short films in March, and one of them I was really excited about is a film called The Divinity Streak, and that's really what got my attention. I was like, oh my gosh, this sounds so cool. It's like a sci-fi, really interesting Black activist film, and I was like, I definitely want to be a part of this. So it was my first time on set. I got a chance to work on that film and do the props, and I got a chance to meet Jess, and hello, Jess. I had a chance to meet Jess. Jess is the writer and um, creator of the short film, The Divinity Streak. You guys can check it out on YouTube on the Netflix Film Club channel. I'll put it all in the links. Um, But I really wanted to follow up with Jess. I met her on set and she was super cool. And I wanted to follow up and just find out more about like her process, who she, who they were <laughs> who they were I am I'm struggling sometimes with pronouns but they're very important so who they were and I'm just more about Jess and Divinity Street hello Jess thank you for coming Hi. to the show of course <laughs> yeah um yeah so <laughs> I was really like thrilled that you were able to be a PA on the short because for me this was actually my first onset experience so I was learning as hopefully like you were learning. So it was just like, whoa, like this is cool, but I have to focus. But it's been great. 
Yeah, I didn't know that was your first time on set as well. Oh, that's really special. <laughs> that's really cool, just like me. So you were yeah. your first, was this your first film? This is not my first uh, film, but my biggest and biggest budget. <laughs> so biggest distribution, of course. So that was kind of a big deal for me. Yes, definitely. Well, uh, the audience, I I think um, you're like, who's Jess? Jess is super awesome. Jess, how did you get to make this film? Like, what was the backstory? Let the audience know a little bit more about you. Like, where are you from? Yeah, I'm from Cleveland. I went to college also in Ohio, uh, moved out here to be a writer. <laughs> That's what I wanted to do. That's what people do. And for the first few years I was out here, not a ton was happening, basically. Hence how I fell into working for film competitions. And then I signed up to be on the Ghetto Film School roster, which they basically just send out a bunch of information, potential jobs, programs that they're doing. And I'd been signed up for that roster for four years, basically. I never, like, really, I read through it all, but I never felt like I was ready or, like, had the background to do any of the things they did until this project came up, essentially. And so, the, like, the whole thing was basically, you know, write about or come up with a concept that reflects, like, 2020. However you feel, however you feel about that, do that. And so that's sort of, I wrote like a, a pitch deck essentially in 10 minutes, maybe. <laughs> it was just like, okay, like this is exactly how I feel. Like, I, I don't know. I just like want to do that. So like, I just did it. And then we got selected, 10 finalists were selected. And then we pitched to Netflix. And a day later they were like, okay, cool. Like you won. And I was really <laughs> shocked um, to be honest by it. So it was like super rapid. I felt super unprepared for the the pitch I felt like I was like just rambling or something and you know didn't know if they got it but I guess they did and they saw something meaningful from it which is obviously important that's awesome um I just want to go back a little bit on what you were saying so you moved out here from Cleveland mm -hmm. and then you decided all right I'm gonna be a writer like you were focused on that goal from the get-go mm -hmm. but you still didn't feel like you're prepared for a lot of the offerings until this opportunity came. And what was it without, I, I think we can talk about the film without giving it away, right? Yeah. I think. So I, so what would you say, what really inspired you to finally like, I can commit, I can submit this, you know, what happened in 2020 and that really inspired and helped you come up with this idea? Yeah, I mean, like, to be honest, I like am a part of mentorship program, the Artistic Standard Mentorship Program. And when I was start, started to talk to my mentor, Gino Brooks, who was also the director of the Divinity Streak, I told him, like, I felt like I didn't have a community out in LA. Like, that's what I wanted. That's what I felt like I needed. So I started that, you know, that program in September. And in October, we had a... Um, like a panel and a workshop with all of the mentees and mentors about like, what is your artistic voice? Like, what do you want to show the world? And so I think all of that paired with this like opportunity showing up is like, that's the only reason I submitted to it because I felt like I knew what my artist's voice was. And I wanted to talk about basically escapism because like, that's what I felt. I felt like everything was so overwhelming and scary and 
I felt like the world was ending. So like, what do you do if you can't survive this world? Do you like escape um, in whatever way that means for you? So that, I mean, that motivated me to submit and I guess it worked out. It definitely worked out. I I totally relate to the whole escapism. I feel like, and I've talked about it in previous episodes, like once Trump got in, I was like, despair (laughs) never ending despair um anxiety and especially as a black person Mm -hmm. you know it's like it you know it just felt so suffocating you know so i definitely understand like the need for escape and and it's really cool that you were able to channel that feeling yeah instead of it you know blocking your your creativity and paralyzing you you were able to use that you know that angst um and channel it into like empowerment by making your film and i think that's really admirable and i'm grateful that you had a chance to do that because it's inspiring for myself i struggled i definitely struggled during the trump regime (laughs) you know because that's why i wasn't posting as much just like it's just too heavy and as an artist and as a black person it's like you carry this weight um and it's not just during trump but it was just like he was a heightened Absolutely. You know, a heightened awareness of the oppression of being a Black person. And you mentioned, um, you know, finding your voice. Mm-hmm. What do you, what would you describe your voice as? Also, do you feel like you represent any any community or other people that you identify with? Yeah, I mean, people always say, like, write for something you want to see. But I really always write for, like, a teenage version of myself, which is, like, not super long ago i'm 26 but still like it's like really important for me to just be like okay well what would i have needed to see when i was a young kid what would have changed my perspective like opened up my world made me feel like there was like hope out there and that's like very hard for you know like a queer black kid going to predominantly white schools and like high school and college as well and just like finding that voice and like hope has always been like what I've been trying to do. So like, as you were saying, like when, when Trump was president, everything felt so heavy, but I always, and always have had writing, even if I didn't know what I was doing, I thought, you know, I thought I was going to be like a novelist when I was a kid or something. It just, it just comes naturally as a way of like, yeah, feeling good about myself and feeling good about the world. So that's always been my go to no matter what and i'm happy i actually stuck to that because that's super important it's gotten me through a lot that's awesome so you kind of see yourself as like a hopeful queer person right you know like yeah definitely Mm -hmm. do you so do you feel like growing up as being like you said uh being marginalized most of the time in your community and do you feel like you have seen reason to be hopeful as far as in your your journey so far mm-hmm. from teenage to now? Do you feel like you're seeing progress that makes you feel like, yes, things are, you know, going in a direction that is really motivating and encouraging for you? Yeah, I mean, I think that people tend to look at, you know, high political power as like a sign of progress in, in general. And I don't really like 
look at that or care about that because those systems are outdated. So like, why do I care? But there's so much like grassroots things that people are doing, whether it's like actual like activism, but also just like creative endeavors and support for like community that that's what's important. That's where I always see help. There's always been hope because people have been working so hard for so many years and it always gets, well, for the most part, it gets overshadowed, but I think that that's the most important stuff. Like, so yeah, I do, I do think there's hope out there. Sorry, my cat is trying to get to the room. Um, <laughs> I do think there's, there's always hope out there, even if it's not in like, you know, big media stage or big political theater, essentially there is for sure. Yeah, well, that's good. I'm glad you feel that way. I'm an optimist myself. So even when things are bad, it's like, what else can we do? But you have hope. And like you said, the sense of being able to create something, some escapism, because again, you're looking for something to give you some clarity or peace, you know, progress. I thought it was really interesting, your film, because you can see these influences. And I feel like this film like encompasses your voice, you know where you're coming from, all these themes. One of the things I thought was interesting is, you know, you brought the activism aspect to the story. But my question is, you could have escaped anywhere. Why did you choose to go, you know, to Mars? Like, why was it leave the planet, you know? What was it? Was there something symbolic about that process? I think space is cool. Um, Just let's start there. Space is cool. But, um... Part of it was like, there's so much like pain involved in being an activist. There's so much like emotional labor that goes into it. It's scary. Like you lose your sense of self because you're like caring so much for other people, which is a good thing for the most part. But last summer, essentially, there were so many, so many protests, so much like violence that's been, you know, displayed in such like horrific and scary ways, of course, like, you know, this. Um, and so I felt like, I mean, for me, it just it did feel hopeful and hopeless at the same time. And I just felt like it's so hard to want to like, to, to fix the world and like to, to somehow fix these systems that just feel like they're just stuck and un- unmovable, but out there in a different world, whether it's Mars or something you can create yourself, there is hope there to like start start anew, essentially. And that's not like a colonial view, in my opinion, and that's what I, not what I was suggesting in the story, but it's like, <laughs> I'm trying not to give away the ending, but, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but there's something out there that you could create that is all your own, which black people, I've never been able to have something that is totally there. So that's what that's what I was going for um, in the story. So are you a science fiction nerd? Are you into that genre? Yeah, it's, it's funny, actually, because um, some people have said, like, okay, like, how does blackness fit into sci-fi? And I'm, in my mind, this isn't a sci-fi film at all. It's a, like, it's a, it's a drama. It's an action drama. And the reason why I say that is because uh, the story itself, like, why can't it happen? It's not otherworldly in the traditional, I guess, sense, but um, it's just, this could totally happen. However, I do love science fiction and fantasy. And like my like 
most of my creative endeavors involve like reimagining history and like I guess weird and strange ways like that's what I love to write about that's what I enjoy because so much history is lost um destroyed that's destroyed that's true so do you okay so you feel like you're reimagining history to fill in the gaps because of the narrative it's not usually told by people like us you know marginalized black and brown people right it's usually told by white people right basically so when you see i wonder it's funny because we call it history when it's maybe and i'm just being weird or abstract Mm -hmm. i feel like we call things history right but then we're like okay now that we're more informed we're like (laughs) wait because was that whitewashed history like is whitewashed history reimagined history as well it is it's for them basically and you know when i say them like I mean, white people. And so like, yeah, you're right. Our, our histories are like, I'm calling it reimagined, but it could totally be exactly what happened. We have no idea because it hasn't been recorded. So. So history is subjective. Unless you have like correlated dates and things. Most of what we call history or what we assume history or as it's told is reimagined history. So I'm just kind of, thinking about like yeah i wouldn't call it fantasy where it's all fantasy you know and that's interesting you know automatically i thought this was a sci-fi film because that's how you know it was presented in my mind with um with the way the film was marketed you know and with us uh watching them leave the planet but you're right like that could happen you know that just because it involves space, like science fiction, and it's weird, now that I think about it, like, why did I think it was science fiction? Like, it's just like, I guess once someone plants an idea, they're like, oh, it's sci-fi. And your mind is like, you're right, that's right, that's sci-fi. Exactly. Yeah, and I don't want to ever be, like, limiting our world or, like, the things that, like, we can do. Um and however, the set that we were on was very sci-fi-ish. So in that sense, that totally makes sense. Yeah, which was super cool. That was super cool, you guys. We got to, it yeah, really we got awesome. to, I worked in props. So I got to like, you know, put together like the space shuttle and all that stuff. That was really cool. Behind the scenes video, I'll post it at the end of the show. But I posted on Instagram with like pictures because I was geeking out the whole time. Because I'm like a Star Trek, Stargate, you know, Battlestar Galactica fan. I love it. But I'm assuming, <laughs> and this is assumptive, but Octavia Butler, like, are you a fan? Because you mentioned, yeah. you know, reimagining history, and it made me think of Kindred. Have you read Kindred? Yes. So, hmm. Do you feel like Octavia Butler has been a major influence yes. on your work? <laughs> Octavia Butler, Johnny Morrison... Gloria Naylor and James Baldwin are my top writers ever. Even when people are like, who's your favorite writer? I think they're expecting like me to say a screenwriter, but it's it's always going to be Toni Morrison as my top, top writer. Just because of the way they construct their stories, um, it's really beautiful and just like just genius. But also because the way they create their worlds, like that's what I want to do. I want to create like cool, unique, strange worlds. Um, 
all black worlds as well. Um, that's like really cool and a great way to talk about race that people don't seem to like want to do. Um, but yes, I love I love all those writers. Nice, me too. I'm a big fan. Uh, I don't know one of the names though. You said Toni Morrison, Octavia Butler, and you said James Baldwin, and the last one Gloria Naylor. Naylor. What would be a book you would recommend from yeah. each one of those that you think are your favorite one? Uh, Kendred, Octavia Butler. Good call on that. I, uh, Tony Morrison's going to be hard, but I will say Paradise. <laughs> some, I mean, all of them, but Paradise. I wrote my like college senior thesis on it. It's a rarely talked about book of hers, but it's just incredible. James Baldwin. Maybe it's like some of his essays, actually. Stranger in the Village, I would suggest, because it's just, it's great to think about now and, you know, today's world and to understand, like, where he was coming from as well. And Gloria Naylor, I would suggest Mama Day, because that was the first book I read by her. And it's really cool and takes place on, like, a really unique island, basically, with awesome cool characters and magic so i love that <laughs> yeah okay thank you i i haven't read a good book in a while so i'm definitely gonna check yeah. out that that last one because i'm like i need something good that sounds really good and i wonder um i lost my <laughs> no problem <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned um being you know queer do you feel like a lot of your work is reflected in your yeah um, I try to um in in whatever way I can I guess in a sense like a lot of people talk about like queering certain genres so if if people view this as sci-fi then I guess I'm queering sci-fi but like it's always going to be in the story because I, I wrote it and so like the emotions that characters are feeling no matter how much they aren't you know, based on me or based on people I know, I'm still going to put my perspective into characters in the in the worlds I create, whether or not the character is like out and queer. Um, and in this short film, you know, I've already like over here writing a feature version of it because why not? And um, like, <laughs> I mean, you know, kind of how could you not? with it because it feels like the story, at least for me, there's so much left to say about the characters as well, including like their identities as like whole people and not just as activists. Um, but yeah, so I do always, I always try to do that, of course, to push myself in the characters and to just be myself, basically. That's awesome. That's I, I appreciate that because I feel like that is who what an artist wants to do. You know, like I can't speak for all artists, but I feel like it's like a compulsion. You know, you're like, I have to get my perspective out. Like you have to get your voice out, you know, and what you're trying to create. Yeah. You know? I feel like people certain people in like Hollywood, I guess, whatever, whatever that means to you, they wanna say like we're trying to create like universal stories. And I just like, I hate that term so much um, because what they mean is stories that like white people can accept and support basically, I mean, basically like let's be real. So like, I also, what I try to do, like I don't want to create a universal story. I'm not writing the story 
particularly for like white people to enjoy. It's not, it's not about that at all. So that is for sure. Like something else I like I value and like want to do with my art always. So. It's interesting you say that because it's like when I saw the Godfather, I wouldn't say that was a universal story, you know, like Scarface, all these like very like uh, lifestyle films, you know, yeah. they're not universal s- stories. So it's like you are speaking in code. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> for, like, I, I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like, hmm, Aladdin's not a universal story. Like all, like all these <laughs> stories are yeah. not universal. They're very unique mm-hmm. perspectives. Yeah. So, you know, stop it. <laughs> stop the censoring. There's yeah. so much room in the world, and white people are strong. <laughs> they can handle diversity. <laughs> we don't have and to be them. Exactly. And if they, if they can't, then like okay that's fine watch, I'm something not, else. watch something else there's a million things for you to watch there's like right and things for me to watch there's so know, much you can watch and like uh films by non-white artists are not like niche you know they're not all they're not. like very small niche films that no one would want to like see i mean it's outdated but it's also just straight up um races i think you know yep. just simple like okay there's people my age who are making these decisions now like come on you know what you're... i know i uh, it drives... <laughs> it's like you know what you're doing <laughs> I, know. I know you know it's just funny and it's and speaking of which um do you feel like there were some things in your film that if you had more say more creative control and unlimited budget mm-hmm. that you would have kept in or added to the film? Yeah, that is a hard question. Um, basically everything that I wrote made it into the film except the opening. Um, and that was not anyone's, no, no one could have controlled that. It was basically a weather thing. It was going to be a car drive like down an open highway basically. So we were going to get some of the opening dialogue in the car as they were driving. So that is not, you know, anything anyone had, you know, control over or like something I was like so upset about. But it, it could have been, you know, a cool shot. But it was just very windy that day, basically. But yeah, honestly, if it was like create a short film with this length, and even if I had a million dollars to do it, I. I don't think much would have changed at all. I think everyone did like really great stuff and Gina, of course, did a great job. Um, yeah, so I mean, honestly, it, I mean, I was really, I really loved it. Yeah. I really loved it too. I really loved it too, but I always wonder like when you're the writer and you see it all come together, you're like, hmm, I would have like included that or done that. Um, <laughs> And I did notice something that was missing, or maybe I need to watch it again, but I did do the props, and I was like, where are my signs? Oh. <laughs> I'm going to have to rewatch it, because I was like, I didn't see, maybe it was so quick. I think, I think Edward walks, walks past them. 
maybe. Okay, I'm gonna have <laughs> so to rewatch it for that. I'm like, where are the signs? <laughs> That's true. You would probably know because... more about what little details could be missing. <laughs> um, oh, I do actually. I have one thing, and it's um, yeah, that when oh gosh, okay, how do I not give it away? A room would be shaking at some point, let's say. Um, and that part was kind of cut out. We had cool like visuals for that moment, but it just didn't fit and that's okay. It wasn't like end of the world, but it was cool to watch the, them create that that moment. So Oh and oh <laughs> so I, I hate that when you when it and you just can't it doesn't work. Yeah, it just and and um that's what's funny about the filmmaking process, which we got to both see for the first time, yeah. is like you have the concept, mm-hmm. you think it's gonna do it, but it's like you, you're doing your best, and then you hope it all fits together. Exactly. It's like <laughs> <laughs> you know, I really got to see like so many different levels for the first time. Um, and again, like when I pitched this, I thought there was absolutely no way. It was gonna happen. Like I was like, okay, I don't even know how much money they're giving us, but it's just not realistic, basically. Um, so then, like coming into like the drafts, even then, I was like, okay, but how we're gonna get a space shuttle? Like I don't really know how that is possible. Like <laughs> acting like this right. is gonna be like chill, but um, so I really like nothing. Yeah, I was like, okay, like I guess it's gonna work. Um, but yeah, the whole time I was just like, that's what I was nervous about. Just like is it possible to actually get this story told even in like its barest form? I didn't know how it was going to happen, but it came together. And um, shoestring budget. I don't know how much it cost, but $25,000. It was really cool. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. And that seems like a lot of money, right? It seems like a to lot. Me. <laughs> but it's not. It's not. Um, you know, it seems like a lot of money, but no well and also what was cool because i didn't know like what how cool it would be to be in the art department to see like okay we got to make this prop from nothing yeah. <laughs> you know with no budget i was like oh it was just cool to see that all these creative people were so into films and story making we're all into it no matter what it costs yeah. you know and um it was just cool. Like we're like, oh, we need another backpack. Who has a backpack? You know, yeah. and and people bringing in their own belongings. Mm-hmm. You know, like oh, um, like one is oh, not in this one, but the other film I was mm-hmm. on. Like they're like, oh, we need a backpack. So they pulled my backpack and put a black like tape yeah. over. You know, like oh, we need another extra. So they pulled Gino in. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like yeah. it was just cool to see the indie film process. It, it was yeah. really cool and just like so. I mean everyone called in favors basically you know like most of the production crew um (laughs) like leah love you leah um like she's so awesome i love leah she's so great um but like (laughs) it was so so many favors that they like pulled in like orbital studios um that was like a big big favor the stunt guys like uh mark pulled them in i mean i just like and it was it was really cool for me especially because like I didn't, I didn't know Leah before, before this, before, like a week before, you know, I don't even know how, a few weeks before we're like filming. So for them to like, you know, put their relationships essentially like on the line for someone they don't know for like a project that they obviously like believed in. 
um that was really awesome like that felt that obviously that feels good like yeah like i have a cool story that people want to work on so that that was very cool for me yeah everyone was really excited to work on it it was really special and it was magical it's my best you know a great introduction to the film world yeah. you know like cool story cool cast like everyone just all creatives just totally into it i was like everybody's like you know not every set's like this yeah. like i yeah. know <laughs> <laughs> this was like a magical it's experience. true like you know yeah. not every set is like that but you know we could try to make every set like that or like try to you know support each other and create safe spaces like that's what i want to do exactly so, like, hopefully that's that's in our future to like be able to actually do that like when because if not like what's what's the point i don't want to be on a set where people are like angry or like you know right yeah yeah like (laughs) ultimately like yeah i want everyone to like be excited about the project but like respect everyone that's that's what i would would want for for myself and for everyone involved so like that's like the most important Yeah. yeah me too do you see yourself venturing into directing or, or continuing to focus on writing? Funny question. Uh, yes, Eric. Like, just talked to Gino about this yesterday. Yeah, I want to direct. I think my next short film, which is going to be hopefully a part of the ASTV mentorship program, uh, I want to direct my short. So, we'll we'll see um, how that goes. Um, I like. I'm obviously nervous about it, but I I do really think that I want to be like yeah in a director's share like let's see let's see how I do let's see if I can get the same things across while also doing like all the logistical things like I'd rather push myself now and like try right and just see what you can do yeah, exactly. have more mm-hmm. creative control that's awesome can you tell us a little bit about the artistic standard mentorship program from your perspective yeah of course so i'm a mentee and i have been in the program since september 2020 wow that's a long time yeah that's like wow i didn't even like realize that until i said that but so it's an incredible program like that's all i can say for like for starters i learned so much each month we essentially had panels and workshops on like artistry screenwriting directing producing every you know everything just to get you know a lot of us haven't done all of those things some of us have worked in different areas or are actors producers writers but it's kind of a like a holistic approach to creative endeavors and of course our mentors are great um we each mentee is paired with a mentor my mentor is gina brooks and so we we worked through the whole year to like learn all these all these things but also figure out what we want to do ourselves like where do we see ourselves and how can they help make that happen basically and so now we're sort of in the second part of the program which is doing a short film thesis sort of thing and so each mentee is creating a short film we're in the writing stage drafting stage right now um so yeah it's a really great program and i've learned a ridiculous amount and can't even <laughs> believe it really because it felt like essentially going to being on a college course basically we had homework weekly deadlines all of that to help get us prepared for you know what it's actually like in you know in filmmaking 
whether it's Hollywood, independent, whatever. Sounds like an amazing opportunity. I, I'm considering it, but I'm like, I don't think I'm ready. <laughs> I've never written anything. You, but okay. uh, you start somewhere. <laughs> you start somewhere. <laughs> um, some people haven't ever written a screenplay before who are in the program as well. And like, I think even like I said before, like I didn't feel like I was ready to like apply for any fellowships and all this stuff, but I just did. So I don't see why not. Like, might as well try. Yeah. Just do it. Just try yeah. it. You have nothing to lose. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So you guys just try things. That's what FC, I feel like no matter who I talk to, that's what everyone always ends up telling me. Uh, I had doubts. I had fears. I had worries. Yep. And I just did it. Yep. That's always what it is. Like you're your biggest roadblock usually. Exactly. And like, yeah. you know, over the years that I've actually been out in LA, like I've tried for a lot of stuff and have not gotten word back on like most of it or like gotten rejected from so many competitions and just felt like, wow, okay, like is this, is this working? Like is this what I need to be doing? But yeah, I just basically kept at it and luckily you know I that's like a privilege as well like not everyone can just like keep at it and like have the time and energy to do it but I'm really like lucky and thankful that I was able to that's awesome well I'm happy about that too I'm, I'm so happy to have met you and I look forward to like working with you more like in the future and maybe even be on set again with you that would yes be, yes you know? absolutely <laughs> that would be cool that would be that would be super cool. I'll be an extra. I'll be a PA. I'll be whatever you know. You can make some props um, <laughs> or like yeah, do whatever you want. Like. Oh well, I don't. Yeah, <laughs> the props was fun, but I'm not gonna lie. Like it took me way too long to make those signs because my handwriting. Uh -huh. <laughs> like, could you redo them? <laughs> can you make them thicker? Yeah, I would be so bad at that. Was, I'm like really bad at like hanging <laughs> things up or just like being neat in general. Oh yeah. Um, so that's not really the job. Speaking of which, I hung up uh, some like one of the shots to go down the hallway and I hung up like some of the pictures. Mm -hmm. Why did I tear the paint off the wall? Um, that was like the very first thing I did mm. was was put a picture frame up cricket because mm. I'm not the person to, to do, do this like at home yeah someone else mm -hmm. like sit there's the frame yeah. I was like you guys want me to do this okay <laughs> I put it up and then Gino was like that looks cricket but I didn't think about how it was like already attached oh you know like with the sticky mm -hmm. stuff on the wall yeah and we were told that this sticky stuff would not take the paint off the wall, but it did. Mm. And so by the end of the day, when we took all the pictures off, we had stripped all the paint all the way down that hall. I didn't even know that. I know. <laughs> I know. Leah was so like, um, but I guess people get insurance. Yeah, <laughs> they do. That's, that's very important. <laughs> so I was like, and it wasn't my fault. I was told to do that. But yeah. Yeah, like, I did not know that. I'm like, I'll I'll be the props person, but if you have something else for me, I don't mind doing that. Yeah, see, I can't. That's too much stress for me. Like, I would hang it up crooked, just be like ripping all the thing off. I don't even know. But yeah, I broke something. Yeah, mm. yeah, I did. I broke uh, Leah's. 
I'm all confessing. Um, yeah. There's a, the the oh, yeah, like better dad. I I leaned on it. I was putting it on the wall, yeah. and you're supposed to put your pressure on the frame. I don't know why I put the pressure glass. on the glass, oh. and I. Yes, and it was like her dad's like mem memorabilia that she had loaned for the film. Oh. I didn't ruin the picture behind it, but it was just pretty... like it was, it was just so like I was like take take these pictures away. I don't want to be responsible for any of this. That's so funny. I mean, that's not but... funny, obviously, but like it was a pretty small set. And I had no idea that that even like happened. Um, so. Wow. Yeah, because we kept it on the down low. We didn't want to make anyone upset. Like, get the whole thing. Yeah. And then we told her at the end. Like, <laughs> and then <laughs> she was like, <laughs> but she handled it. She has really good nerves, nerves steel, good composure. Yeah. So that's why I could cool. not be a producer. And is that not, not the job for me at all? <laughs> at all. <laughs> exactly. But I, I, it was cool. I was, I loved it. I loved it. I definitely did see myself producing or been doing the acting thing so maybe i'll get like yeah. i'll be extra or i can be one of the register ladies hey wherever you need I'll do it. <laughs> all right i'll keep you in mind for it <laughs> thank you i i think i'm pitching yeah myself, you are so um it's documented <laughs> <laughs> well um i always do this thing oh, oh wait, wait, wait 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 before i do that is there anything that you want to talk about that we haven't talked about anything you want to pitch anything that you're excited about mm. be, be um in addition to divinity streak or tell me more if i didn't ask you something that you wanted to talk about hmm great question mm. yeah i mean i'm always mm. working on things of course and like my sort of most recent ish project is a, a pilot with my buddy, Jesse Greer. She's an actress and also has a production company. She's one of the, the execs over there at Rising Antidote Production. And it's called Cross Creek. And we're just like, it's moving in like a cool way. I can't really, I guess, talk about it actually that much, but it's it's been really fun. <laughs> and like, I think the best part about it is also some of the things that Jesse taught me over the course of, I mean, a year and a half of us writing this, which is just like, vulnerability is so important and like especially if you you know have a writing partner you have to be very open because it's sort of an autobiographical look at her life and like mm -hmm. something the program that she was put into when she was a teenager so yeah i mean i just i think that's exciting in so many different ways but it also just like taught me to be like so open and vulnerable with other people which has been like a, has been a process for sure but yeah so that's kind of what's brewing I guess, and we we'll see we'll see what happens with it, but I I have high hopes for it. Yeah. 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 Well, if we if it comes out and we can see it, definitely come back on the show so we can like of course promote it and be celebrated. Of course. Yeah. That would be dope. Hey. So there's this um thing I do for the show, like I like to pick a song, or I like my guests to pick a song that like represents themselves or the, a theme of, the, of just a song that you want to play in your episode. Ooh. Like maybe your favorite song or just whatever that comes to mind. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, I guess in that, in that sense, like the thing that 
you know, when I write, I listen to music, even music with words. Uh, I don't know how I can do that, but I do. Um, but the <laughs> <laughs> there's a song called Eclipse by Radical Face, and I listened to that a lot when I was writing the Divinity Streak. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, cool. Yes. Eclipse by Radical Face. All right. I can't wait to hear it. Yeah. Surprise for me. All right. Cool. Do that. Awesome. And then there's another thing. So I like to do, like, I'm inspired by, oh, I love radio. Okay. All different yeah. genres of radio. And I'm inspired also by, like, hip hop shows when they'd be like, uh, they would have yeah. a guest do the promo for the next episode. Like, hey, this is. <laughs> Stephanie from blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. You're listening to the Dope Science Show. So can you do that? <laughs> this is Jess Waters. And I'm excited or check out Divinity Streak or listen to me talk about the Divinity Streak on the Dope All right, Science cool. Show. Like a little intro. And you can take as many takes All right. as you want. <laughs> but this is Jess Waters. Check out the Divinity Streak on Netflix Film Club. This is a Dope Science Show. Cool. <laughs> that's great that's awesome all right all right thank you so much so i think what do we do now i think i'm gonna say I won't hang goodbye up. i'll don't hang pick up. up my cat because she's being yes. annoying and... okay <laughs> yes this is one cat. of my cats this is not even she's sleepy she's so sleepy <laughs> she's so Aww. mad She's, is oh, she sweet? Oh, she, I just oh, she's her mad. Off, but, um, they're both very sweet. Um, she's a little bit more like she she runs the house basically. <laughs> like she runs it. She's the uh, she's um, the boss. Yeah. She's the lion. And so like she'll cuddle when she wants to cuddle, <laughs> but if she's not cuddling, like just like leave her alone. Like she's chilling. Yeah. I don't know where my are <laughs> done recording. I'm gonna get up and grab him. Is that okay? Oh. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. We can use any of this stuff. Oh, sorry. Are oh, you still recording? recording? Yeah, but it's okay. I want to be informal. I'm not a formal. That's good. <laughs> Show. I can't find my cat. He's like under the bed, maybe. I don't know. He's very That's cute okay. though. Um, he is like very cuddle, cuddly. Yeah. Oh, that's sweet. I when you got up, it made me want to know oh. about the record um, behind you. Yeah. So there's only four up here right now. Uh, Queen, Live at the Rainbow, 1974. Nadia's stealing my seat right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, Brittany Howard, Jamie. Great album. Like, have you ever heard of Alabama Shakes? No. Oh, Alabama Shakes. Mm -hmm. Yes, I have. Okay, she's a lead now. You know, now she's like independent. Oh, um, cool. Yeah. So that is a really incredible album. What's the album name uh, again? It's called Jamie. Jamie is okay. Self-titled. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, it's it's named after um, her sister, oh. who I believe passed away when she was um, very young. Uh, this is Prince, When Doves Cry. And this is Tegan and Sarah. And this is like a live 
concert recording album, um, which is really cool. I guess these are both live concerts, but um, I went to one of the these concerts. Oh, I'm gonna pick up my cat again. She just <laughs> totally stole my seat. Yeah. Oh my god, she's acting like she won't can't move. Oh, yeah. So dramatic. So you're like a big. Maybe she um, should be an actor. Yeah, probably. <laughs> so you're a big music nerd too like you're really into music a little bit um i mean i'm i've always been into like not always that's not really but since i was like in high school my mom had like a record player and uh she had like michael jackson's thriller and like fiddler on the roof or something oh, those are like the two albums that she like <laughs> um so it's like oh like that's cool like maybe i'll start like collecting albums like why not like cool right um, so I've been basically collecting since I was like, I don't know, 15. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. So you yeah, have like crazy. I have like, I have probably like 50 albums here in LA and then like 50 at home. Wow. Basically. That's a lot. Um, I couldn't, like when I moved out here, I couldn't take them all. But yeah. So for the most part, I get like lots of them are gifts also because I'm like, my birthday like people are like what do you want an album like just just do that like i'm cool with that um, yeah but yeah i do i like i love music that's right, awesome it, and do you do it for the sound or are you or do you like the covers or is it just the whole thing i think it's the whole thing um i mean definitely the sound is like unique as opposed to like listening it to it on like spotify or apple or whatever you listen to so like the sound is slightly different on a record player but it's fun and enjoyable the record player is pretty i got it as like a gift for my mom when i was in high school too but yeah obviously you can see like some of like aesthetically they're, they're cool um and like different colors sometimes or like limited releases of certain certain albums some like you know waiting till they come out it's like my heart even ordered them like that's dope. Uh, yeah that's really cool. I always wanted to be a record collector. Um, eventually, I will be. I like like vintage things. I like. I think some things don't need to expire. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. we we listen to digital music, but that doesn't mean record players should never exist. You know, like yeah, they're artifacts. They're cool. Exactly, and like <laughs> it's. I mean, most of them like now today. Anyway, you could like plug in your phone to them and listen so oh. um <laughs> like Actually. mine mine has like a cassette player you can plug in your like aux cord and all that stuff but like it's so much fun like going to a record store is fun for me my mom would always like drag me to like goodwills and stuff when i was a kid and just like you know, shopping for clothes all the time like i was just like i don't like i don't care what i'm wearing but i would just go and be like well there's like records over here it's like let me look and see and like you kind of never know it's You're like right. it's like the same feeling of goodwill but like for for albums um so it's like fun to like awesome. go to different places and check it out and you were saying that you listen to music a lot while you were writing so music is a part of like your writing process yeah definitely and it's usually not like I create a certain playlist or something. I know a lot of people who like create the the sound of the world they're creating or like the world they're diving into. Um, but sometimes I'll just like hear a song, but oh, like I just want to listen to this now. It's just like is how I'm feeling, how the story's feeling, and that kind of happens. So there have been like plenty of for Divinity Streak. There were a lot of songs that like did that, but 
So yeah, Eclipse and like Space Woman by the Breeders. Oh, let Space me Woman, put like... it on there. Oh, because <laughs> you know what would be cool if you had like a playlist for Divinity Street. Oh, that's true. Like um, you can put on Spotify. <laughs> Or if you send it to me, yeah. I can make a playlist and put on Spotify when I release the episode. Oh, okay. I'll send over like a few of the songs I listen to. Um, but yeah, lots of space things like and sad. I listen to just like sad songs. <laughs> like, um, so there's that. Too. Sad songs are so moody. You know, yeah. like I love to listen to. Sometimes I really love sad songs I sing with them I'm like you know just crooning with them mm-hmm. or I, I, I grew to love the blues like the older I got yeah you know just for that I guess why do you like sad songs like what does it do for your mood it just <laughs> I mean it just makes me sad does it make Which you sad not, yeah, but like and not in a like <laughs> not in like a really like I guess negative way really like yeah like you said like I get like I feel the mood of the music and because most of the things I'm writing are like more intense things it just like it just works for me um Mm -hmm. it just makes me think of like oh the song would be so good and in this scene or like this this episode or whatever so like a lot of it is is just that um Mm -hmm. yeah it makes me feel sad but in a good, good kind of way in a good way it's yeah. weird i know what you mean like i yeah i don't know what it is why some people like sad songs i don't like them all the time but i think yeah. i like that they touch something in me as far as like soul or something yeah so yeah you know. if you do like blues slash jazzy things um speaking of like the books that i recommended if you haven't read Sonny's Blues by James Baldwin, it's a it's a short story. Um, my like in college we had to do a, a senior thesis on like if you're an English major, typically like a book. Your junior year, you also had to do like a junior thesis version, which was on like thirty pages or something. Um, so I talked about Sonny's Blues and then Jazz by Toni Morrison, and like talked about music and writing and so many different things, I guess, but both of those but particularly jazz I can't even explain it like I don't have the words for it anymore because I wrote it so long ago but like in general Tim Morrison has like a lyrical way of writing basically but like this is like a musical way of writing I guess if you it's hard to mm-hmm. sort of explain unless you read it but if you like oh I see like yeah. with the rhythm like yeah. there's some rhythm and pacing to it that you can feel yeah it's very specific to like that particular text, of course, because like she's talking about jazz mm-hmm. and like music, right. but also <laughs> intense trauma as she does. Um, so yeah, I don't know. If you wanna ever wanna check those out or like listen to music while while reading them, I guess it would work. Okay, thank you. And I'll include this in the show. Though. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Jess. It was so great having you on the show. You guys check out the Divinity Streak on Netflix and their film club channel. Share with your friends. I'll put the link in there. You'll enjoy it. Check out the other films. That channel will also be releasing short films from other Black uh, creators. But yes, 
thank you so much, Jess. And thank you so much for coming on the show. And we'll catch up later. And maybe I'll work on something else with you. Of course. Thank you for having me. Yay.